Hello and welcome. It's a sad conclusion to the season here. Farewell episode of Country Roads Confidential. I am Mike Casaz, welcoming in Chris Anderson. Chris, um, as I said, sad because this team was fun, resilient, entertaining, exciting, overcame an awful lot on and off the floor. I don't want to say surprising and not the I told you so sense, but you could just see that a team would get thrown a defense that I hasn't seen in a long time. And West Virginia is a get in a groove offensive team where they can get hot and get on runs, but that's largely against man-to-man defenses. Nothing that's really gimmicky or junky. Uh, they saw curveballs and change-ups and screwballs and splitters for 40 minutes today and had, I don't know, I don't want to say 40 bad minutes, but more bad minutes to good minutes, and the season is over way before anybody in white tonight wanted it to be over. Yeah, I think um, it's kind of what we've been discussing ever since Oscar left the team, that this team's ceiling was sky high, its floor was way low, and we've seen it in games, like, you know, the, the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows in actual, in just a single game, in a single half even, um, and we kind of saw that tonight against Syracuse, you know, just looking absolutely horrible for several minutes and then looking like the much, much better team for several minutes, and and it just, it, it, it Finally caught up to him. You you can't play like that, especially in in kind of a one and done situation. Let's play um perception reality here. What what was real about tonight that makes sense? And we'll get to the other side of that coin. But what what is not an anomaly in the box score or in the way that game played out? What do you think? Uh, West Virginia missing a thousand layups. Yeah, uncanny. <laughs> like that's. I mean, it was it was egregious tonight. It felt like, but it was kind of one of those things that we've seen all year long so it wasn't that like that wild 12 for 26 i'm surprised it's that good three dunks okay. i believe that's a season high yeah <laughs> not not an above the rim team you remember when you used to have a dunk tracker mike you remember that that's that's a rumor <laughs> slander i don't know um i, I would agree there uh, that, that's the one thing I, I just thought about this from the beginning they're not a great scoring team inside um what is perception? What was the outlier tonight that um, maybe appeared at the wrong time or doesn't necessarily divine who this team and what it was this season? What was this perception? I, I mean, I'm trying to think here, like, what was the thing? Because a lot of everything that West Virginia is, I felt like happened today with, oh, with some I'll terrible... Right. That's the right answer. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. it's like terrible on-ball defense... Some hot shooting, some bad offense, bad turnovers, stretches, you know, all that stuff. So I had a hard time thinking of something. So I'm glad I'm glad me not knowing the answer was the answer. Yeah. Maybe Matthews deciding tonight was the night he squeezes off 16 shots. Yeah, that's something. Um, and and then, I mean, at times just forgetting to play defense. Um, I, I will have to get into that. There were some confusing things that I think Huggins tried to explain that I couldn't quite hear in the arena because it was quite noisy. But uh, it seems like he was involved in quite a few of them. But. Also, that maybe he was good enough offensively that you couldn't take him out, which is kind of a weird thing, too, because um, the numbers say he's part of some of the worst defensive lineups and defensive pairings out there. And certainly at times today, he picked his spots to, with some help, I think, to to kind of blow up possessions and, and let Syracuse get back in the lead and, and take control from there, too. But, um, look, this is kind of what you thought the, the end would be. I think pretty much from the Florida game on, you realize that this team could very well fall behind a good team by double digits, but was was so potent and I think skilled 
on offense and, and able enough on defense that I could get stops and they could score and get back into the game. It's harder against this defense and you're you're getting less time because you're consuming so much time. But in a way, falling down by 14 in the first half was almost a good thing. I don't think there's a chance they get back in it if they fall behind by 14 in the second half because it's too hard to play a first half at full tail and then play full tail plus 20% to get back in the lead. But um, it kind of felt like a game that I thought it would be in the 80s, but that the other team would shoot the lights out of the ball. It would have more easy scores and difficult scores and that somebody, some individual on the other team could get hot. Uh, somebody did get hot. His name was Buddy Beheim. Uh, three points in the first half. Hits his first shot, misses his next six, and then just goes wild in the second half. Twenty-two points, uh, made five threes. Um, there were there were some Budweiser wingers, and there were some surprising contributions from people who don't typically make shots, but um, kind of followed a script. That zone was good enough at times. West Virginia struggled. They had the one hot score and they were able to overcome some deficiencies like rebounding and like being able to score off turnovers. And um, boy, it just, it just seems like there weren't a whole lot of surprises here. And my surprise is that West Virginia wasn't able to overcome it. I think the only thing that surprised me was during that, the early part of the game where West Virginia, uh, we, we talked about this high post, the high post, the high post, it's open, it's open, it's open. And, you know, you and I talk, discussed it on preview pod, and I said, you know, watch for Gabe there. He's going to be great there. Some <clears throat> some of the fans brought up, but what about Taz there? That's another good option. Uh, we've seen him do well in that spot. And then they switched it up and put Culver there and Matthews some. Matthews, not, not as shocking with Matthews, but it, it was very odd to see that, um, you know, that that decision there. I, I don't. It, it, that's not Culver's game. The high post is not Culver's game. It's just not. I'm not sure it's Matthews' game. And you look at this shot chart, and mm. it's, I mean, we were talking about missing layups, but then all, so many of West Virginia's shots were these 10 to 12 quick turnaround, throw it up one-handed, or you're jumping and shooting before you've actually turned your body to the basket kind of jump shots. And they were skipping them off the backboard, too. Yeah, like these are not, I, I don't know, like it, it doesn't make sense. So they, again, I have this, I can't remember which game it was, but it was like, hey, the, the analytics say your shots should be three pointers and layups and, and foul shots when you get try to go for a layup and nothing else. And West Virginia shot a lot of mid range twos. And these are like shortish, midish range. Like it's not even like traditional mid range twos. It, it, it's, it's in the deep lane, like the far lane. I don't even know what to call it. Like almost near the free throw line, just a bunch of shots right there that were all contested, all rushed, and none going in. So I, I, it was it was very strange at the beginning of the game to see that offense and them trying to force that when, hey, put Gabe there, let him work, swing it around, and you got open threes. And, and that's what worked later in the game. They're going to finish the season probably in the 300s, ranked in the 300s, a two-point percentage. Be as good as you want from three-point range, right? And they're good. Yeah. They're, they're top they're top 10% in the country, I think, in that by the end of the season, certainly in the final half of the season. Um, but they're going to end up in the 300s and two-point percentage. And I don't care. The game the game's easier from three feet than it is from 23 feet. And that was it today. Again, 13 from, what did I say, 12 for 26 from mm-hmm. dunks and layups? Um, yeah. That's tough. Uh, on Friday night, West Virginia allows 52% shooting. On the floor, 53% from three-point range. Um, played a team that is good defensively, but I don't know. Like you could tell, they they 
they played a team that played well offensively, and they won by 17. Uh, the difference tonight is that while they shot 50 and 50 on Friday night, uh, they were 37 and 42 tonight. That's not good enough. They lose this game despite scoring 70 points, despite hitting 11 threes, despite out rebounding Syracuse by 12, and having a 24 to 21 to four edge in points off turnovers and a 14 to four edge in second chance points. Um, this this is on uh, the defense. Yeah, it's bad to me. This is on the offense, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I the defense was the defense was the defense. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it was it was. God, it, it, this is what's for. So it's like I, I think this is the fourth time I'm going to say this, but it's just like another time that West Virginia played, or just like something. It, it, it Syracuse jumped out to a big lead because West Virginia. I mean, the offense was not great, but the defense was absolutely red hot garbage. Yeah, and then it was just kind of pretty darn bad the rest of the game, and West Virginia came back, and that is like that's all you're asking for from this team this year is. Just don't be absolutely horrible on defense, and you're going to win. And, uh, I mean, unfortunately for WVU, they, they, they're they not capable of doing that uh, for, for a full 40 minutes sometimes. And then we saw it in the first few minutes. And so the defense was what it was, and the offense is, is really what held it back. At one point, there were 11 turnovers in 28 possessions i think yeah. for west virginia maybe 29 um that's absurd <laughs> you know we're talking about how horrible moorhead state was on on turnovers mm-hmm. they turn it over one out of every five you know 20 percent. so that if if they have 11 turnovers it's taking them 55 percent possessions to get there west virginia's doing that in half doing it twice as fast twice as good as moorhead state mm-hmm. um that's not great that's on your offense that is not not on the defense and, and you know the defense is going to take some take some whatever you want to say here some crap for for this game but uh offense did them no favors uh three turnovers in their final 40 possessions by the way so they figured some things out yeah they did um yeah and then the the detriment for west virginia it, throughout the season is they're they're north of 34 points a game in the paint and about 10 points worse in losses 20 points in the paint tonight they did not get beat in the paint. They got beat because the other team hit 14 threes, but um, now we can get the defense a little bit. Um, I don't know what they're doing going under screens on Buddy Beheim, and they did that a couple times. And then it, it seemed to me, I believe they switched to the point drop, and that requires basically switching. But I also thought I heard Huggins say that they were not switching. They were trying not to switch, and when they took the one-point lead, they definitely switched in transition or in the half court a couple times and left Syracuse open for threes. Am I imagining things or did this just kind of like combust? No, Huggins said it and he, he was, he said that they were like the coaching staff implying that, that him and the rest of the coaching staff, the bench were, were yelling, don't switch, don't switch. And, and whoever was on the court continued to switch. And he, he mentioned length. So he made it sound like, and I'm, I'm assuming here based on his comment about, you know, they West Virginia did all right with length, and then you know, Buddy started making shots when the length switched off. I think the length that was doing well was Emmett. I mean, he had a couple complete and total brain farts there, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, that that left him wide open. But some of the shots that that uh, uh, Buddy Bo was making 
late in the game was was when they were switching and somebody else was getting on him. A, a couple were on Sean McNeil where yeah. uh, Buddy just elevated over him. And again, we saw the thing where it drives me nuts that McNeil's footwork is so darn good on defense, but he will not raise his hands. Yeah. And Buddy shot it right over him for a three, right in his face. He was right up in his grill, but had his hands down below his waist, and Buddy just elevated and shot a three like it was nothing. Yeah, that seemed like a fire call. Um, yeah. Like like they found that switch and fire, 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 and everybody knows what that meant, and it just went one-on-one. And one time he drove on him and scored in the paint, and one time he just lined him up for a three. Like I think he had McNeil lean, and McNeil knew he wasn't supposed to be there. Um, that's the one issue that I had just at that moment because they hadn't played much zone at all during the game. It was hard to tell because their zone does resemble man, but like – in that key sequence, I don't know if it was meant to try to confuse him or whatever, but it certainly seemed like it backfired on West Virginia. That was the end. Um, the end, I think, is a result of the beginning here, falling down by 14. I just, I, I thought it was possible. This is a team that falls behind. That's 10 times in 29 games that they trailed by 10 or more points. They end up going five and five. They took the lead here. I don't know if they expended a lot of energy. Again, it's better to do that in the first half because you at least get the halftime break, but. It was the weirdest thing in the beginning of the game. I thought they were putting a plan in motion and doing well enough, but also missing a lot of shots and also making some just bizarre decisions on the inside. I don't know how many, you know, almost handoff passes or one foot passes or passes somebody in the baseline. It was covered. It seemed like they were almost trying too hard. Um, and then they just had a hard time. I would say hard timing. And even I think Huggins said this too um, about Culver. They could not get the ball to him on schedule. Because once that you swing it, they react, whatever. He's going to be able for a split second. And that that wore on Culver. And I don't know the last time he played in that game, but he was out for, I mean, he ends up playing 20 minutes um, and was, I would say, a non-factor. He's seven points, two for nine, made three free throws. But um, not impressive, I guess. And Can we have work. this discussion now? Do we want to have it now? Or do we do we need a couple days to? Let's do it. Is, is he back next year? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let me answer your your question with another question. If he is back next year, what's his role? You you need to have some serious conversations with people here because I think there's too much focus on does Taz Sherman come back, does Gabo Saboyan come back, does Deuce McBride go pro? Those are all three possibilities. I think you have to remember there are people who are going to graduate in three years in this team. Um, and I don't know if that's, you know who I'm talking about here, but like, do they want to be back? Right. Um, they have diminished roles. Do they want to be back? Is the feeling mutual? Do they, are they wanted to be back? Um, there are players coming in that, that are, I think that are, I don't know if they're going to play, but they're talented. And I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them gets on the floor. Um, and the way they play offensively, might be better off without a guy you have to consistently feed who doesn't otherwise contribute on offense. Uh, if, if you're if you're expecting me to pull out a fire extinguisher and put out that that flaming hot take, I yeah, I, I'd be more likely to to douse it in gasoline and and inflame it even more because that's why I asked the question. I don't understand. I don't know his role, and 
it has been because there have been times where he's like the centerpiece of this offense and he's great and he's and he, he's 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 carried this team at times. You know, we've seen some monster games from him. Uh, that Oklahoma game that West Virginia ended up losing, he was the only reason, not the only reason, but the biggest reason that they were in that game. I mean, he almost went 30 and 15 in that one. Mm-hmm. But over the last few games, the last several games, the most important games of the year, you know, these games that are for seeding in the tournament, the games in the Big 12 tournament, the games in the NCAA tournament, West Virginia was better with him on the bench. Like, yeah. that's not... Like, oh, you, you're a Culver hater. I'm not a Culver hater. This is just, this, these are just the actual facts of the plus minus, the way West Virginia plays, and what West Virginia needs. I'm not saying that Gabe Osaboyan is a better player than Derek Culver, but for what West Virginia, what the other four players on West Virginia's team provide, that fifth person, it's about fit. It is about fit. What does that fifth person provide that the other four don't? And Gabe provides it, and Derek does not. When you shoot threes as well as they do, and when you score as well as they do out of the backcourt in the wings, you can almost play five on four offensively. And that doesn't mean like like you have a guy who's a zero factor because he's going to have to do things. But if you have a guy who can play that up position and you go five out or four up or whatever, um, and he can bounce it and sling it and do stuff. Um, if you had a player of Dolezal's skill set, you're still playing in this tournament. I don't think that's a reach at all. Um, when he winged a 25-foot bounce pass through traffic for a layup, um, that is the type of stuff that West Virginia needs in that high post. Osaboyan is capable of it, but you also saw tonight he's limited on things too. Two miss big, two big miss free throws in a spot that I think that the momentum was there and they wanted to do something with it. Um, and then you know, just he's not a guy you can go through to things, and, and you could tell they gave him a lot of room and jumped off of him on stuff. I, I had a pretty good view from where I was about how they played defense in the second half against West Virginia, and I think they were kind of relieved a little bit because while Osaboyan may fit better with the pieces around him you can guard differently on the perimeter and they still got smoked on the perimeter in the second half. But I didn't feel like it was something that, that Syracuse is too upset about too. Um, yeah. And this is, this is what I wonder, like, are they better off with a guy who can, you know, can he give you the, the eight to 12 rebounds on good nights? Yeah. Somebody can do that. You can find that out there. Um, I'm not sure it's on the roster though. That's the problem. And you might be able to find someone who can come in and do that. And maybe he can hit a three every so often. I just think if you're watching some of these tournament teams, they're five, that their five position is a guy who can play out. You're, you're not seeing back to the basket stuff. It's it's, it can happen and you can do possessions like that. But like, and I don't want to make the Loyola Chicago, Illinois comparison, but the biggest and maybe best team in the country is out because they couldn't sit down in half court and guard and they couldn't stop the other teams big from moving around. And, and what did that guy end up with today? Like 18, 12 and five. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's the model here, but like, I think you're looking at a, a modern basketball and West Virginia, I fully expect Sherman McNeil and McBride to be back next year. I might be wrong on one of them, but I think that they're going to have some firepower. I think Bridges is going to make a leap too, and they're going to have three to four good perimeter players. And I don't know if you want to be giving 16 shots a game to somebody who's going to make six of them uh, or, or miss 10 of them, however you want to put it. If that's your, your plan of your offense. And you know, is that what they lost tonight? Cause they were, they spent too much time building around Culver this season. Well, perhaps, but maybe like they didn't spend enough time, getting him into a situation where he could be more of your 2021 big. And I just think that there's a, there's, there's a world you can live in where they, they go to the off season and they say, we, we gotta be more skilled and, and less brutish on offense. If we're going to play like this. Um, and they, they never got that on track this season. They never fully married the concept of playing four around one where the one has to play within the four. Does that make sense? Yep. 
It does. It it's does. so weird to say there might not be room for a first-team all-conference player, doesn't it? It does, but uh, you just get me to thinking, like, you got say you got you go with this four-out offense and you have 40 minutes for that center spot, and you ask me how I want to spend it. And I'm seriously wondering if a fully healthy Isaiah Cottrell and Gabe, like, I mean, I wouldn't mind splitting 20-20 there or, like, 25-15 between the two of them. And, again, I just don't know, like – Culver is a very good player, and he provides some very good things. But most of the things he provides, West Virginia, the thing, or the, excuse me, the things that he doesn't provide, defense, rim protection, passing, like in the high post, low post, that's what West Virginia needs. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, that's that's the issue that you, you're going to have to face. Or I'm not going to have to face. You're not going to have to face. Bob Huggins is going to have to face. And um, it's tough, man. It's tough because he was – very much the center of that offense and very much the center of that team. And over the last seven games, six games or so, that it, it was very clear the team was doing better when he was not on the court. Uh, yeah, it's hard to hard to argue that. And we hadn't mentioned Cottrell, and I wanted to sneak him in there. Can he be a five? I don't know. Can he be a skilled four? Yeah. Could you play with him almost with two fours, and maybe it's like a one, a two, and two threes and him? We'll see. I think that's like the workshop stuff. You got to go to the lab and figure it out. I'm I'm not ready to say that he's a missing piece on this team. To to be honest with you, like I think there's way too much put into like that's the one thing that really hurt us this year because he was going to be a factor. He played part of a good half of a part of a good game um, against Northeastern. Is he a great passer? I have no idea. That's what I've heard. Um, would he be bouncing 25 foot one handed passes? I don't know. Um, I, I'll say this though. I think a big part of this game today was that Dolezal played the final 12 minutes with four fouls. Um, and, and played high, so he wasn't driving, and that created some space. And they were able to run some offense with that too. But I wonder if this this is something too. If you take him off the floor, and Edwards could not play in that game, he could not not foul. If you take both those guys off the floor, you're not playing anybody bigger than six seven. And at some point, I was wondering, like, I wonder if they'll go with like Matthews, Bridges, Sherman, McNeil, McBride, and just play small ball, like match their small ball with West Virginia's small ball, and vice versa. But Behan never did it. Like he kept his big guy in there because West Virginia had to have a big guy in there. Culver didn't have it going, and Osaboyan's not going to have it going. So that that made me wonder, like, if they fouled Oljal out of the game, can Edwards play? And if you take both those bigs out of there, is West Virginia going to go? You know, we're small because I I kind of like that small lineup zipping around and and buzzing around the three point line and getting cutters because if nothing else, Matthews is active tonight and he was effective that way. Um, Bridges left a lot to be desired in the final two weeks of the season, but he might have had a role somehow tonight too. That's it's a little chess mass in my head. I was wondering if they if those two coaches were playing and because there came a point where Dolezal was on the bench with four. Edwards came in and got three fouls in a hurry. There was a weird timeout on the sideline or whatever. Where both teams were mad at each other about something. And I was like, what are they gonna do? Who are they gonna put in? They don't have anybody else. Are we gonna see five, six, seven guys and smaller on the floor for both teams? Didn't. Saw Dolezal, and and he's really the like the the straw that stirs a drink for them. Beheim does a lot of good stuff, and their their other players are smart, but um, he's he's such an important part of what they do because he can pull a big out, he can make plays, he can drive, he's skilled, and we never saw them have to play without him. They were doomed without him in the second half, but they didn't have to worry about it. So, are you telling me that West Virginia did not lose this game because they only had one block shot? That was did quite you, a question. That's quite a question. I did that's, hear that. Uh, it might have been outdone uh, it, it being uh, 
bounced around on Twitter as we speak. Um, Pat Forty, uh, familiar with him? <laughs> Have yeah. you seen his tweet? That's no, I don't follow. Oh, yeah. He is uh, declared, or eh, I don't know if he's declared, but noted that uh, quote: "The three coaches who seem the least interested in wearing their masks this season: Brad Underwood, Bob Huggins, and Chris Beard. Gone, gone, gone." Well, that's why. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Um, and we've got some takes tonight. we got some takes. Here, what, one more on Colbert, because I don't, I don't want to hang him on the on the, the towel rack here, and we can take yeah. whack at him. But like, I, I think his play is, is indicative of things here, too, because uh, he gives them a swagger. And we saw that Friday night. Once he got going, it really spooked more head state. Never happened tonight. I'm looking at some of their lineups. I'm going to Evan Mia here. Um, he is part of... Only two of the top six offensive efficiency lineups. And one of those six, so one, two, three, and one of those has Shibway in it, so that doesn't even count. Um, he's not part of their best offensive groupings. In fact, Osaboyan is part of the first two most efficient. One has one has Shibway, which is strange. I don't know how many possessions those two play together, but um, there is something to this that you you can't it, – it's, it's hard to play the way that Huggins was playing with the way that West Virginia is playing. Um, and maybe they just need time to iron that out and figure it out. But it's it's curious to me, too. Um, they do get back in the game because that's what they do. I really felt at halftime that it might as well be tied. Um, I don't know. I just like that's what West Virginia does. And the fact that they got more than half of the deficit cut in half before halftime. Um, I just thought it was going to be game on. And it kind of was. Certainly McNeil helps by hitting some big shots. But McBride never got it going. I'd love to know how healthy Taz Sherman was down the stretch this season. And maybe he wasn't nearly as good as he was saying, but maybe he just didn't have a shot going. Um, but they get it even because that's what they do. And then an 18-6 to run, and the game is over. Uh, and that was just bad defense and, again, just some some shoddy shooting at that stretch there too. But I, I was really surprised that Syracuse had that that counterpunch. And none of the counterpunch, but they threw a combination there too with a bunch of threes and one really long possession coming out of a timeout where they set up um, Richmond, Kadari Richmond with a three, and he nailed it too. Um, they were poised. I mean, they, they maybe knew that they were going to get everything from West Virginia, but they had game control, and they never really lost control even though they had the lead. That was impressive. My One real quick side thing before I, I give my final thoughts on this team and what and kind of ties in what happened today, but it drives me nuts that the college hasn't, implemented I, I i'm pretty sure this is the nba rule that calling timeouts and redoing things in the backcourt does not reset the backcourt you, you know you have to get at the half court clock yeah like that towards the end of the game there where west virginia kept trapping and forcing timeout forcing another timeout knocking out of bounds um i believe the shot clock you know starts at 30 it was already down to like 15 by the time he had crossed half court mm-hmm. and you don't get any benefit from it. I mean, that's the rule. So it's, it's it just, I just think it's a crummy rule. Syracuse um, tried to throw that game away too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. really tried, like, like passionately tried to throw that game away. The, the one, um, the one, they called it a kickball in Osaboyan. Yeah. That play was doomed. They were not going anywhere with it. And that guy was lucky he went off Osaboyan's foot because that was going to be a turnover. And I, I don't, it wasn't because Osaboyan kicked it. Um, he just extended his arm and the ball went off his foot. Like I was, that was right in line with me. And I was thinking, Oh my goodness. I don't know where Osa Boyan was going with the pass. Cause he threw it like up into the eighth row of the bleachers, Yeah, but they made a good play. And then what did you think of the, the Kedrian Johnson free safety play with Bayheim? That was a tough call. I, uh, yeah, I think when they showed in a replay, 
Um, it was it was close. Like it yep. was it, it, if if he if Kedrian Johnson gets there a half a second earlier, and this isn't you know this isn't his fault. He made a great play on it, but if he's there a half a second earlier or Buddy's there a half a second later, it's a jump ball. Uh, I think the only reason it's not a jump ball in that situation is just because Buddy got his hands on it first, and then uh, Kedrian Johnson came came crashing in on it. Uh, but man, that was that was it. You know, you catch that two point game WVU ball because it, it was possession era was for West Virginia. Shoo, 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 shoo. I'm, Syracuse willingly took a jump ball, like a tie up. Like the guy was like, I'm not going anywhere. What do I do? Just hold it and they'll steal it or they'll they'll tie it up. And like I was like, man, what if they get plucks it out of his hands, whatever to steal, he goes in, lays it up, the game's on again. Like it was that was extremely nervy for Syracuse. And I was I was not confident they were not gonna throw it away. And that pass to Bayheim was terrible. Like yeah. it was a, I guess a good throw. I wouldn't even call it a pass. It was certainly ill conceived because Johnson, I mean, it was it was darn near a fifty fifty play. And I think you're right. If he's up in the air and then Bayheim crashes into him, it's probably play on and that ball goes out of bounds off of maybe Bayheim. Um, that that was just tough, but I mean, I don't know they did just enough wrong, but more than enough right there. Um, that'll be that'll be interesting to see here. Uh, last one will go. I don't want to say um, I, I'm not going to kick players off the team or, or say who is or who shouldn't be coming back, but I just I don't think they're going to run it back with the same 12. I guess 11 players, uh, 12 because Contra, right? Yeah. I don't think you're going to see the the same 12 back next year. Um, they bring in Seth Wilson and Kobe Kobe Johnson. Yeah. All right. Um, 14. You can do that this year. I get that. So technically, they have a scholarship to give still. I can't believe they're not going to go into the portal because I can't believe they can say we're we're not missing anything. And I do think that they need that that stretchy 6'9", 240-pound guy who can hit threes but also doesn't mind scoring seven points and getting four assists. Uh, I I don't want to make the comparison of the fella from Ohio U who looked really good last night, but that's the type of part that that four – who can play the five and give you something on offense and defense. That that seems to me, if you're going on a, a shopping spree, that would be your priority there. Am I wrong? No, you're not. Uh, no, you're not. Uh, was that a little bit of a tampering there, Mike? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> I don't think anybody's call. leaving Ohio U right now. Not with Jeff Holt <laughs> in charge, dancing no. and all. Uh, no, I, I think that's, that, that is where I would look. You, you still, you got the shooters, you got McBride um, kind of running the show. I think you can still figure out that point guard spot. I don't. I don't hate the idea of looking for another point guard or to just try to get Deuce off ball. But it's not earlier. I think in the beginning of the season, I felt like that was a move they really needed to make. Now I'm not as 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 strong willed about that one. I think it, I think this team can be a Final Four team with with Deuce running the show nonstop. But. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, six nine, more versatile big man is is what they need. They they went to that get Deuce off the ball, get him in the middle tonight. They brought McKay in, and he had some he had some bad defensive moments. I think he left the corner three open one time, but uh, I don't know. Like they they knew that was a possibility where like let's get him off the ball and where he can do some damage. You're not going to play a two three every day, but I think that they see the value in having him not on the ball all the time. Um, is he there three quarters of the time? Sure, but he's so effective without the ball too because he commands such. A, such a high level of attention for the defense now. He, he's a rep, a rep guy, a rep scorer. So that, that's something you might think about too. I don't think any of the incoming guys are going to do that. Uh, and I'm not sure they have somebody on the roster who is going to do that either. Yeah. Um, final thoughts? Joseph Gerard. <laughs> I think, I think it, well, we're like 18 seconds into the game and the first Budweiser toss came. And he, he came right off the ball, chucked <laughs> it from like five. Like, I mean, he, 
You, if you didn't know any better, you might have thought he was Buddy Boheim. Boheim. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? Um, I mean, the Midwest region's wide open now. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not sure what'll happen to Houston tomorrow. I think they'll have their hands full, but they seem like they're the favorite over there now too. But I would not be surprised if Syracuse is. I was going to say in Indianapolis, but they'll be in Indianapolis next week. I would not be surprised if they win two more games. Oh, you mean Houston tomorrow? You mean Houston's losing to Rutgers right now as we're recording this? Oh, okay. So right, Rutgers, Rutgers Syracuse in the next round. You ready for that? I thought they would have a hard time. I honestly thought they would have a hard time because I think Rutgers is tougher than people think, and like they're just a tough team. And I'm also in the same hotel with a lot of other people, and they were – I thought they told me the game was tomorrow. I hope they're at the game. <laughs> yeah, Rutgers up nine with about four and a half minutes left as we're recording this. This region is wide open. Again, like I just I, I know that they went through a lot this year and they played really well and they reinvented themselves and there's a lot to like, but like I, I just can't see that anybody that's on that bus right now thinks that this was a success. They they should still be playing and if they were alive, they have a really good chance getting through. But I just think they ran into not a wall necessarily, but they ran into an obstacle that was just the way this team is. And a lot of teams, it was just going to be hard for them to overcome. It just, what they had to do was not what they do well. We talked about it. And apart from making threes tonight, they just, they didn't do enough of those things well. It's, it's a, just a huge, it's a huge missed opportunity. The one, maybe the two are out. The two is certainly vulnerable. Um, and now the three is out too. You, you might see an 11 in the final four. Um, I just, Weeks from now, it'll hurt a little bit less. It's still going to be a bummer. Years from now, you're going to look back and go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. I, I, I just don't think that's not the case right now. Right now, it's looking like an 8 a ten, for the, the Sweet 16, so the four teams from this region. Uh, number 8, 8 seed Loyola, 11 seed Syracuse, uh, 10 seed Rutgers still leading with less than four minutes to go. And then you got the matchup between Oklahoma State and Oregon State. Uh, yeah, everybody's talking about Oklahoma State got screwed. Maybe not. Maybe their draw is getting easier easier by the day. I was going to say, should we just string out for like another four minutes until this Rutgers game ends? That's probably going to be another 33 minutes, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, we are all Scarlet Knights, I guess. Um, maybe not. No. Chill, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the fans. They're, they're really nice. Man. I've enjoyed spending elevators. Only three of them at a time. Um, one tried to buy me a coffee before the game today because they like 24-7 sports. Um, I also believe that person told me they were looking forward to the game tomorrow. So maybe they thought West Virginia played tomorrow. <laughs> Certainly they know who they are, but maybe that guy had, had one too many pops for the game. I don't know. It was at the bar, so possibility. Possibility. But we'll take compliments when we can get them. So oh, thanks, buddy. Certain. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, on the site, we're going to try to wrap up the season here with um, – I don't want to grab the rearview mirror because you're not allowed to do that around here. But I think when you look back on this team, there's a lot to discuss, things to like, things to – Again, feel like it's a missed opportunity. I don't want to rain on parades here. There's not even a parade right now. I don't want to rain on the rainstorm, but I, I just it's not supposed to be in like the fact they're out early when it when it's wide open. That's that's just a bummer, and maybe that's the West Virginia way. I'm sorry, perhaps I'm going to write a book about it one of these days. But uh, there's a lot to like too. We learned plenty about this team and some of the players. Mostly good, some bad. There's a lot of the future left to know. And I think that's the big takeaway that we don't we don't quite know what it's going to look like the next time they're on the floor. Yeah, and like I said, we'll over the next few days we'll have. More stuff kind of talking about this season. What's next? We got recruiting updates coming. We got more pro day stuff. I mean, we still got interviews and videos to go through. And spring football starts Wednesday. So, can I, can I get a day off? <laughs> no. no, yeah, yeah, you get Monday off. No, Monday you're driving. So, travel Tuesday. day, yeah, so, oh. yeah, take a rest Tuesday. Oh. All right, what are you getting back at three or four in the morning there? There, there, hugs. Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, uh, Neil Brown, can't wait to see you. <laughs> 
If you'll see us, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, the season is his right now. Basketball season is over. Chris, thanks for letting me go to Indianapolis. Um, send you the bill for the COVID shots, but I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon. <laughs> Sorry you had to stay, uh, hang out with Rutgers fans all day. No, they're great people. Until then, I am Mike Kazaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.